Father, we've come tonight to celebrate the birth of your son. The gift, the greatest gift that's ever been given. And that's the purpose for which we've come here tonight. Father, we ask you that you would help open our hearts to you, to give honor to him, and to glorify you for the great expression of love that you've given towards us by giving to us the very best that you had. Father, help this night to be a great night of celebration, a night to remember what he's done for us, Lord, and we pray, Father, that as we open our hearts to you and open our hearts to give back to you, that by your spirit you will reach down and touch our hearts tonight and make this a very special time together. For the grace for that, Father, we thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, let's give more to help Hallelujah. Give God glory today. And would you remain standing? Would you remain standing for the reading of the word? Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, the one to be ruler of my people, whose goings forth are from the old and from everlasting to everlasting. Micah 5 verse 2. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are not to be the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will be the shepherd to my people of Israel. Jesus. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born this day, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no ultimate end. For upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with his judgment, and justice from that time forward, even forever among the nations. And the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this, as said in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7.
you may be seated. Merry Christmas. When we had our Christmas special several weeks ago, the gift, there were wonderful gifts displayed and there was wonderful talent shown. And but there was one particular number given that really touched me about Christmas. And I turned to Pastor Ray afterwards and I said, I want to have that on our Christmas Eve service. And I'm coming to introduce it to you because the style of music is not a style I would normally, would normally choose, although some of our young people, it's very popular with them. But the message and the anointing on it is so powerful because it really brings Christmas into focus. So whether the style is yours or not, listen to the message with all your heart and listen to the heart that's behind this as we welcome Adam Rodriguez. was the night before Christmas when I was convicted to do like the wise men y'all know from the scriptures and present a present to the omnipresent prince who reigned supreme yesterday today in present tense so here it is this lyricist was moved to bless these dearest kids and their parents as well we've all gathered to tell of the reason for the season the bags and the bells, the blissfulness of Christmas gifts is all happy and swell, but don't forget the greatest gift that snatched us from hell. The baby in the manger was no stranger to the danger. From the womb to the tomb, the world was aiming at the Savior. So after being worshiped at his birth, the Lord was escorted by Joseph and Mary. In fear, he'd be slaughtered by poachers the Herod sent. Now the census was senseless, but the edict was read. Every male child whose age was less than three would be dead. So they obeyed the angel. Into Egypt they fled. As Jesus matured, diseases were cured. As he switched his roles, he went from handyman to I am that I am. His steps were followed every time he hit the road. But when the rubber hit the road, his friends got stiff, they froze. Jesus freely gave his life, didn't resist his foes. And when the soldiers got a hold of him, they split his nose, arrested him. They questioned him, they stripped his clothes. And then they whipped him with 39 vicious blows. And right around the third time the chicken crowed, Peter realized he failed him. He dissed him, woe, it gripped his soul. Every Christian knows what it feels like to stumble on this twisty road. The crowds were proud to see him multiply the fish and loaves. Yet they shouted when he hung and cried, it's finished, then rose. It's no fairy tale, it's real, every epistle shows. Documented accounts of how he fixed his clothes, then ascended on high to wait until the whistle blows. And if he was a saint, then even Saint Nicholas knows that Christmas is about the one who lifts our souls. So while the world is kissing underneath the mistletoes, we never will fail to mention the nail that pricked his toes. Plus he took one to each hand. We're not walking in a winter wonderland. We're talking about the prince 
the son of man. And I commend the young saints who ain't timid to scream. Praises to the king, the way they vividly seen upon a cinema screen like the nativity scene. The greatest gift given didn't have a ribbon of green. He was wrapped up in flesh. Because of him we've been cleaned. It wasn't likely to be. Because Christ lives in me. Like the lights on the tree, we now shimmer and gleam. You see the children of God of the body of Christ. And God knows just who has been naughty and nice. So make sure your faith goes further than the holiday hype. And he's not just a part of your life, but the God of your life. Because you've been bought with a price. And that's the meaning of Christmas. Glory to your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We give you all the glory and honor, oh God. Hallelujah. Worship your mighty name. Hallelujah. Amen. Luke 2, one, Luke 2, verse 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room, for, no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in the cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth peace to those who, whom his favor rests. While the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that, had, that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I want to thank uh, Libby Sullivan and Joseph Earl for their wonderful readings of the scriptures. I had a message that I was working on. I was a good Christmas message. And um, 
Sunday during praise and worship, which is often when God talks to me about some things about church. Something else went off in my heart. And yesterday I tried to take some time aside to prepare. I didn't want to be under the pressure of Christmas Eve, the pressure to put a message together. And nothing really came. And so I came in here this morning and prayed for a while. And as I prayed, I really felt the Lord saying, I want you to talk out of your heart. And, and that's going to require the Spirit of God to do what He wants to do tonight. Because there are many Christmas messages being given tonight all over the world. Good ones, I'm sure. But it's only what God uses to touch our heart that matters. I want to talk to you tonight about what this night really is all about. So I want to pray. Let's ask the Spirit of God to, to, to take these words and help me to bring out what's in my heart tonight so that He may minister to you. This night is about you and what God wants to do in your life. Father, we come to you tonight in the precious name of Jesus. And again, we thank you for giving your son's life in our place, for sending your son, the son of God, to this earth to be born and grow up, to live and to die so that we might have eternal life. Father, those are facts, those are concepts, those are ideas that all of us know. But tonight's not a night about facts. It's not a night about concepts. It's not a night about ideas. It's not a night about something that happened 2,000 years ago. It's a night about what you want to do in our lives tonight. That can only be done by the anointing of your Spirit. And so, Father, by faith, I just surrender my heart to you right now, my mind to you, and my lips to you, to allow you to use them as best I know how, that you may anoint these words to speak directly from the throne of God into our hearts tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. What is this night all about? To everybody, it's about something. To the kids, it's often about the anticipation of tomorrow, opening presents, or maybe later tonight, opening presents. I was remembering earlier today, my wife and I went to visit my mother's in a nursing home and remembering some of the practices that we had as a child and the, the smells of Christmas Eve. And my mother was a wonderful cook. And coming home Christmas Eve or coming into the house and smelling those wonderful odors of cook cookies and all kinds of pies and things that she baked. And it was a night when we would have neighbors over and people she would have in the house that didn't have anywhere to go and, and bring, bring them in. And she had special customs and table was beautifully decorated. And there was a chimney in the middle that had... Uh, had nameplates uh, name at everybody's seat and there was a ribbon that went up into the chimney and you'd, at the end of the meal you'd pull the ribbon out and there was a gift just for you. She did everything just so wonderful and those memories began to come back to me as I went to visit her and of course she not only can't do that anymore, she doesn't remember that and it's a good day and today was a good day that she even remembered who I was but the memories are still there. So it's a night about memories. It's a night about family. It's a night about anticipating tomorrow. It's a night about many things. For some people, it may be relief that Christmas is almost over and the pressures are gone. It can mean all kinds of things to us. But there's something that it means to God tonight for you, personally. The sense I had as I was praying today was this is to be a personal message from God to you. So open your hearts to allow God touch your heart somehow tonight because many of you are in many different places with regard to him and with regard to what Christmas means and I want to look tonight at what the Bible says Christmas means 
It's an amazing thing when you think about what we celebrate because we're really coming to celebrate what it's really all about is we're coming to celebrate the birth of a baby over 2,000 years ago. Stop and think about that. What's all the excitement about that? Billions of babies have been born in the last 2,000 years. There were thousands of babies probably born that night even in the, in the nation of Israel. But this one baby, the birth of this one baby has changed the course of history. The birth of this one baby has changed nations. There have been, there have been wars over this baby. It stirred up quite a commotion that night. There were many other births that night, but there was no other birth where angels appeared and began singing and announcing things out in the fields. They got the attention of shepherds, and the shepherds began to come to seek who this baby is, that angels have come and made all this glorious announcement to us. So it affected the shepherds out in the fields. It affected three, we don't know that it's three, tradition says three, but it affected a group of wise men from the east and caused them to travel and to come and to seek out this baby, to seek who this baby was, and to begin to worship this baby with precious gifts. Stirred up the king, Herod. Again, there were thousands of other births that took place that year, but this one birth threatened the king of Israel. Something about this baby's birth threatened the king to the extent that he ordered the extermination of every male child two years and under born in Bethlehem. Forty days of age, the Bible tells us that Joseph and Mary brought this baby to Jerusalem to the temple because he was the firstborn and the, and the, the law required that he be dedicated firmly at the temple to God. And when they brought him to the temple, there was a man there who was advanced in age, had been waiting all of his life to see the birth of that baby. And when this one baby was brought into the temple, I don't know how many babies were brought in that day. How many babies were brought in that week? How many babies were brought in that month who were the firstborn males to be dedicated? But this one baby, when he came in, excited something in this man's spirit and he began to prophesy over this baby. It was a widow who lived in the temple. Her husband died after only a few years and she was 80 years of age. 80 years later, she's in the temple daily fasting and praying for the coming of this one baby. And when he's brought in, it's this little baby to be presented as dedicated. Her spirit went off and she recognizes. What's all this about? Every one of us was born as a baby carried around by our mother, carried around by somebody, taken care of. And to our parents, hopefully it was a special event. And so to many of this Christmas Eve, they look at this event and they may read the story and hear the story and they look at this and say, well, this was an event that happened 2,000 years ago. There was a baby born 2,000 years ago and that's who we celebrate. But there are other events that took place. 1492, Columbus discovered the America. 1969, we put a man on the moon. There are many historical events that come and go and we have memories of them, study them in school. But do they affect your life? But this one birth of a baby has changed the life of untold millions of people.
And the question tonight is what has that baby's birth personally meant in your life? What does it mean to you personally? I want you to reflect on that as we take this time Christmas Eve from all the other affairs that we have to do and the things we plan for tomorrow to take just this brief moments and meditate on what does, what does the birth of a baby 2,000 years ago, what does it mean to me? Well, we've read some scripture. I want to read another scripture to you. It's not a traditional Christmas scripture, but it talks about what he came to do. Isaiah 61. Because what happened is when this young baby was brought to be dedicated at 40 days of age, the next thing we hear about him is when he's about 12 years old and his family comes down to Jerusalem again for the festival and they present the represented before, before the temple and they are leaving on their way home and realize that this little boy is not with them. And they go back and, again, he's about 12 years of age and they go back and find out he's reasoning with the scribes and the Pharisees and more than holding his own, he's confounding them. And they get angry at him and they say, didn't you know, you know, we were leaving? You scared us. You concerned us as any parent would be. And if just to understand that, they weren't traveling alone. They would travel with this large entourage. So it's understandable that it might take a day or so to realize that, you know, Jesus wasn't with us. Although there are a lot of people out there today that don't realize Jesus isn't with them. And they were amazed to see what he was doing. But we have no other record of him. 40 days of age, 12 years of age, and then nothing till he's about 30. And we see him come down to be baptized by John the Baptist, and then he goes back to his hometown. And the scripture we're going to read right now is the scripture he quotes to them. But I want to read a little further. Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is talking about that baby. Because the Lord has anointed me to do these things, to preach glad tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal or make whole the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, open the prisoners to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's the year of Jubilee when every debt was paid off. Every obligation was, was satisfied. Every person that was owed was, was, was made whole. It was a year of restoration. The day of vengeance of our God, listen to this, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Now go with me over to Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to see the writer of Hebrews account Backwards, we just read Isaiah's foretelling. We're now going to read the Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, reporting what he did do. Chapter 2, verse 14. Inasmuch as then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. That's what we've come to celebrate tonight. That through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to the angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to become like his brethren, that's like us, 
that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make propitiation for their sins. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 12. But this man, after he offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, and that from that time waiting until his enemies are made his footstool, by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit witnesses to us after he said, This is the covenant that I will make with them after these days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart, and in their minds I will write them. And he adds, Their sins and their lawless deeds... I will remember no more. Now where there's the remission of these things, there's no longer an offering for sin. Therefore, as a result of what he did, brethren, we have boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And having become a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true, sincere heart, in full assurance, full confidence of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from a consciousness of evil and our bodies washed with pure water. What does that baby's birth mean to you and me today? Well, if he stayed as a baby, it wouldn't mean much of anything. But he grew up and became a man, walked among us, Wearing flesh just like you and me as the Son of God. Being tempted in all ways as you and I are, the Bible says in Hebrews 4. Yet he didn't sin. And he did that so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest so that he could represent us to God and understand our struggles and what we go through. So he means that we have a high priest who understands what it's like to deal with temptations. So as you're looking at that pile of cookies in your kitchen and you know you really shouldn't have another and that urge rises up in you, <laughs> you have a faithful high priest who understands what temptation is like. But he came to do more than free us from cookies and from the temptation to eat things we shouldn't eat. He came to die. He came to die in our place and to take, as the Word of God says, to be the propitiation, that's a long fancy word that means the payment, the satisfaction for our sins. And here's where I believe God wants to speak to us. Because the prophecy on Isaiah says He comes to make an exchange, a trade. He comes to give beauty for the ashes. Ashes what? Ashes of our lives. What's your life like tonight? Is it everything you ever dreamed of as a child growing up? Or all your dreams for your life and all the dreams for your marriage when you got married and all your dreams for your children and all your intentions of what you wanted to be? Have they all been gloriously fulfilled and you sit here tonight saying, oh, what a great and wonderful job I've done. My life has been wonderful. Or are there some ashes in your life? Things you've wanted to see happen that blew up or burned up. You look back at relationships, maybe it's children, maybe it's up, broken marriages, whether it's family, whatever it is, and you look back 
Perhaps there's some ashes in your life tonight. Is there heaviness in your life? Despair? Concern? Is there fear in your life about the future? Is there guilt? The weight of guilt is almost unbearable. We learn how to compensate and we learn how to cover it. Sometimes we compensate it with things that are destructive like alcohol or drugs or food or things that we try to make us feel better for the guilt, but the guilt never goes away. It still weighs on us and weighs on us and eats away at us. It's like a cancer of the soul. Guilt. Shame. Shame for things we've done we shouldn't have done. Shame for things we didn't do that we know we should have done. Shame for relationships that we know that should have been healed and now it's too late because they're gone and it's, we think and their memory's back but there's nothing we can do. Shame just at looking at ourselves. Some people have such a terrible poor image of themselves that they look in the mirror they don't want to even dare look at themselves. They're always concerned with whether they're too fat, too thin, too this, too that, not enough this, not enough that. That's shame. Fear. Fear of the future. Fear of tomorrow. Fear of the past. The ultimate fear that someday this life is going to be over and I'm going to stand before God and give an account of my life. The Bible says that's the source of all bondage and fear. What does that baby's birth mean to us tonight? What can it mean to us? What did God intend for it to mean to you and me tonight? It means simply this. Because God loved you and me enough to humble himself. God humbled himself to take on flesh as a baby. He didn't enter this world in all his glory and all his majesty. He could have. He could have just appeared on the top of a mountain. He could have just appeared in Jerusalem, perform glorious miracles, have angels surrounding his head and, and lightning going off and just the way some of the artists have portrayed him, you know, a halo around his head and people would have come and worshipped him and honored him and glorified him and, and he would have been the Son of God come to earth and then whatever time he would have left, it would have been a glorious event that had happened. But it wouldn't have changed you or me. God wasn't concerned with demonstrating who He is. God wasn't concerned about getting the glory and the attention. God was concerned with one thing and one thing only. You and me. The inner soul. Because He can feel the hurt. He can feel the shame. He can feel the weight of the guilt. He can feel the fear throughout all the ages. And when he looked at you and me, he couldn't stand to sit still and let you and me suffer under the weight of all of that. And moved by that love, moved by that compassion for you and me, personally for you and me, he took his only son, the most precious thing he had, and he sent him to this earth to come, not as I talked about earlier, but to enter into humanity the same way you entered in and I entered in. No shortcuts, no free rides, 
conceived in the womb of a teenage girl, carried about in her womb for those nine months, rode the last ride on a donkey into a city where there was no room for the Son of God to be born, brought into a stable and brought forth from his mother's womb and laid in a manger in just rags that could be gathered around him. The poorest of all things, God comes to the earth in that form. Why? So that he can identify with the poorest and the weakest. He can identify with your poorness and my weakness when it comes to him. He humbled himself. Whatever it took to take care of that need in your soul and my soul, he willingly did. Grew up the way you and I had to grow up. Learned lessons the way you and I had to learn lessons. And at the appointed time, he was released into his calling and his purpose. And for three and a half years, he walked on this earth and he changed the earth. He shook, he shook the government. He shook everything around him. People were angry at him or they loved him. Still the same today. And at the appointed time, he laid his life down. Nobody took it from him. He laid his life down. He put that holy, sinless life into the hands of pagan soldiers who mocked him for who he claimed to be. Beat him, nailed him to a cross. And when the price was paid, he released his own spirit and declared for all of eternity, even down to December 24, 2013, for whatever that issue is in your life, whatever the guilt is, whatever the, the pain is, whatever the fear is, whatever the shame is, whatever it is that's wrong in your soul, he declared 2,000 years ago from that cross these words that ring down through the ages. It is finished. The price is paid. That baby was born 2,000 years ago for you tonight so that you can make an exchange of the ashes of your life for the beauty of His holiness. For the mourning and the, and the, and the, and the, and the, and the regret of all the things that should have been done that weren't done or the things that were done that should have been done he came to give you a robe of joy and gladness and take on you your mourning and your guilt and your shame. Jesus didn't come to this earth so that you could know about him. Jesus didn't come to this earth so that you could know who he is or even just believe in who he is. Jesus was born as a baby to change your life down inside where we really live. All of us live with an outward persona. All of us live with an outward image. And we come into church with smiles, saying, how are you this morning, brother? I'm great, how are you? Things are great. And in many cases, they're not great at all. People come in here lonely, even tonight, hurting, afraid, too afraid to admit they're afraid, even to themselves. Afraid of the future. What's going to happen to me when I die? Overwhelmed. I can't handle life. How can I even handle the future? 
Somewhere down inside of you, there's a need. And that baby was born 2,000 years ago. A little baby to meet every need you can ever possibly have inside. That's why the shepherds rejoiced. That's why the wise men came seeking. That's why Herod was threatened. That's why Simeon prophesied. That's why the angels were rejoicing in heaven. Because the weight of the guilt and the sin and the fear and the shame of all of mankind, of you and I particularly, was going to be removed and relieved and born by that little baby when he grew up. That baby was born 2,000 years ago to relieve every burden in your life, every longing of your soul to satisfy every pain and hurt within you to meet and to wash away every bit of, every bit of filth, everything that's not right, to make it right, to make you And this is why down through the ages, year after year, people come together to celebrate and to remember a little baby. Not even born in a palace, but born in a stable with shepherds around to celebrate. Because that little baby has changed the destiny of all mankind. And until you have felt the release and the relief of the guilt and the shame and the fear and all that goes with it, you've not yet truly met that little baby. Until then, he's just a concept. He's an idea. He's an historical figure that you can believe him. But tonight, let this little baby get into your heart. Children have a way of doing that, don't they? Each one of our children, the first time I looked at them, they were immediately in my heart. Our grandchildren, when I held them, they get into your heart. Let this little baby tonight... You may be an elder in this church. You may be a pastor in this church. You may be, have been a Christian for, for 30, 40, 50 years, but have you let this baby into your heart to relieve the weight and the guilt and the shame and the pain and to give in place of that joy, unspeakable joy, Peace, unspeakable peace. Beauty for the ashes of your life. A robe of celebration of singing for the heavy weight and mantle of the mourning that some of you are under. Will you let that baby into your life tonight to do that for you? Because my friends, that's why he came. 2,000 years ago. 
And if we leave here the way we came, if we go through Christmas the way we started Christmas, and we're not free of all those things, then we haven't really received the gift that God has given on Christmas. Let's pray. Father, tonight, as we've taken this time to reflect by your Spirit on what you've done for us. I pray that you would open everyone's heart tonight and to allow them to receive what you've done for them. Deep down in their heart. Help them to receive tonight the full meaning of the gift that you've offered to them tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen.